Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Reading Squad. We are your hosts, Rachel and Rashmila, and today we are here to talk about fantasy novels, some of the work that Rashmila and I are doing uh, within the bookish community around social justice issues, um, and you know what we're what we're reading. Um, so we have all of that and more for you coming up in the next hour. Um, Rashmila, what did you read at the end of the month? So I read a few books for this month. Uh, the first book that I that I read and I would definitely recommend is called uh, The Office of Historical Corrections by Daniel Evans. So if you are doing the reading challenge, which we are running on our social media, and if you want to read a book of short stories by a person of color, then this book definitely falls under the prompt. So this collection uh, celebrate the everyday life and the stories provide a peek into the life of black and the multiracial population. And each story features a particular incident in the protagonist's life while connecting it to larger questions of race, identity, and history. The titular novella is, uh, it's right at the end of this particular collection. So you have the short stories and then the last novella is The Office of Historical Collections. When I was reading it, it was too real for comfort. And it is, a st- it is, all the stories are contemporary events, but this particular novella was focuses on this black scholar from Washington DC who tries to save her oldest friend. And I won't give I won't say what happens, but all the stories that I read were were really, really great. I usually am hesitant about short stories because I find, I personally believe that it's really difficult to write a short story. You've got only the length of a few pages and you have to come up with a great uh, story and a character and character development and all of that. And the Office of Historical Correct- Corrections does that on all counts. So not only are the short stories great, uh, oftentimes you might think that, oh, these are pretty, these short stories seem very short and you'll be like, oh, very simple language. But if you just take step back and think of the short stories and be like oh I didn't realize it was saying this and that the particular novella which is at the end of this collection uh, I read it and I was like why am I not surprised but I was like I sh- it was pretty great pretty great but it was also tragic so I'll, I'll keep it at that please read this uh, particular short story collection it is great uh, okay, so after talking about that, the next one, the next book that I read is called uh, Brother, Sister, Mother, Explorer. And this is by uh, Jamie Figu- Figueroa. The novel is set in the tourist town of Ciudad de Tres Hermanas. I hope that's how it's pronounced. It's it's roughly translated as City or Town of the Three Sisters. So this particular novel is set over a weekend. So from... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's it. Three days this novel is set. And you do un- you we understand the story of the other of the different characters through flashbacks. And uh the brother and sister is basically the siblings Rafa and Rufina. Uh, after the death of their mother, the siblings spend a weekend together in their childhood home. And both of them are in their late twenties, early thirties. So Rufina, the uh, the sister, she bets her brother Rafa that if they make enough money uh, for a plane ticket performing for tourists in the plaza over the weekend then Rafa must live and we we do get the backstory of what happened in the past what happened with Rufina what happened with Rafa so we understand why this particular bet is important to both of them 
if not like if they cannot make enough money then uh, rufina will agree to whatever rafa decides for his future uh we also have the mother's ghost uh making a lot of appearances in the story both in the pre- especially in the present and we also know we also know why the mother died what what kind of a journey the mother had undertaken to come to this particular tourist town and we also have a genderless angel along with the child uh, that rufina lost so we've got apart from the brother and sister we also have the mother and the explorer in the title is basically a person who was a, like a father figure to rufina and rafa and we all we also read and see why uh, the explorer is not there anymore in this storyline the themes that are there in this novel include privilege race racism intergenerational trauma abandonment and family this again was written in a very the particular way of writing the story itself was amazing because it was just very lyrical very beautiful i mean as a reader you are transported to this small town but you also realize what exactly is happening in the past so this was a solid uh, 5 out of 5 for me third book that i want to discuss is called the navigate your stars by jasmine ward and uh, ward del- delivered the commencement address for Tulane University in 2018. So this is like a really short book. I think I read it in about 15 minutes to half an hour, so it's 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 a very short book. It's basically so this short book is basically the speech that Ward gave and it is illustrated in gorgeous color by uh, Gina Triplett. And the speech is very inspiring. It talks about the importance of hard work, perseverance, being open to change and reje- and rejection and the importance of self-respect. So Ward also describes her own family family and life in the south and how she overcame her problems i have only been reading uh, sing unburied sing by ward and after i read this particular short story short not story short speech navigate your stars i would definitely like to read more about more books by her specifically because she overcame so many problems i did not know that about her and whenever you read any like uh, author bio of ward you don't realize what she's gone through so I would suggest that everyone read this particular book. Uh the last book that I would like to discuss is called uh, Premeditated Myrtle and this is by the author Elizabeth C Bunce. So I received this book as an ARC and it is a very sweet middle grade detective story. It's the first in the series. So I am am looking forward to the other books that will be coming out. This I think came out just last year. So 12 year old Myrtle Hartcastle lives in the quiet village of Swinburne, England. Uh she's the protagonist and she has an unusual obsession with criminal signs so if you've read uh, enola homes i think rachel you had said you had read uh, the first enola homes mm-hmm. and you had liked it so i would definitely suggest that you read this one premeditated murder mm-hmm. and she is similar to enola homes but she also studies law from her father's books who is the town prosecutor and one thing that i liked about this um, i think this is a trend that i support is introducing characters who are biracial or who are non white characters who are people of color and oftentimes i think some authors will introduce them just like in the background to give color or flavor kind of a thing but this particular author uh, elizabeth bunce she introduces this uh, governess called miss ada judson who is a uh, multilingual and the biracial daughter of white british and black french guanese parents and i enjoyed uh, miss ada judson like she is smart she is intelligent she is witty um she takes care of mortal when required at the same point of time she gives mortal the freedom that is needed so 
So I enjoyed mm. the governess's character a lot. And the book is also pretty good. The novel focuses on the death of uh, Myrtle's next door neighbor. Myrtle decides to prove that she was murdered. Everyone says that the neighbor simply died of old age and sickness, but Myrtle says no, she was murdered. So this is a sweet book. Um, I absolutely loved it. Mm. Yeah, that that's it. Okay, so uh, moving on, uh, Rachel, what books did you read? Last episode, um, I talked about the fact that I was wrapping up Sessions of the Fox by Jordi Rosenberg. It was a book written by a transgender author who has a trans character. Um, and so that falls into that prompt if you're following along. If you're following along with our Diverse Reads Challenge for 2021, this would fit into that. I don't think I talked about Confessions of the Fox on the last podcast. Um, just finishing it up. So I have a review for you now. Confessions of the Fox is kind of an interesting story. It goes back and forth in time. So there's this young academic and he comes upon this manuscript. You know, he's having a hard time as an academic, doing his PhD research, you know, have, having a hard time adjusting to academic life. Oh, and, and he is also transgender. And so he starts to read this manuscript, which is called Confessions of the Fox. In this manuscript, he comes across, he comes across the live of Jack Shepard, who is uh, an 18th century and, and jailbreaker. Jack Shepard is kind of reimagined as, as a transgender individual. This manuscript kind of explores his life, kind of outlines, you know, how he came across, how he ended up being a thief, what his life was like, what his early life was like as a young girl. Uh, Jack Shepard was born a female at birth. And this story was really interesting in that it kind of explored you know, what does it mean to be a transgender person in the present? What, is, what did it mean to be a transgender person in the past? How, and how does the author, who is also transgender, kind of deal with all of that identity all at once? It was an interesting story. Um, I would I would pick it up if you are interested in historical fiction, um, because that's definitely what this falls into. It definitely had, you know, 18th century Victorian England tropes, ideals. It just had kind of that feel uh, throughout the book. And so it was it was good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I would have would have preferred to have read this book than listened to it on audio. I didn't didn't really enjoy it as an audiobook. So that's my first book. So the next book on my list is called Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. Uh, this is a prequel to The Hate You Give. And in The Hate You Give, we are introduced to Big Mav or Maverick, who is Star's father. He is also the owner of the local grocery chain in Garden Heights. In Concrete Rose, which is a prequel to this story, we see what what Mav is like as a young teenager. And so at the beginning of the book, Mav is a member of the King Lords, a local street gang. And then throughout the story, Mav learns that he has a young baby boy who he names Seven, because Seven is a very important number. His entire life changes as he learns to become a father and, and deal with loss and, and large life changes. So shortly after he learns that he has a son, he undergoes a terrible loss. It leads him to have sexual relations impregnate another woman this other woman has has a young girl and we eventually learn that her name is star from the hate you give and so this story was really interesting it was really it was really well done as an audiobook it really explored you know the the strength of community when that community is undergoing hard times it explored both how tough love works in you know in these communities as well as you know how just how strong black communities are and how they're there for one another so it was just it was a really beautiful story um angie thomas sort of dropped she dropped kind of a easter egg in the story nick stone and angie thomas as i understand it are, are um they're, they're two authors nick stone wrote dear martin which um looks at a young man 
named Justice who Justice who who starts to write in a journal letters to Dr. Martin Luther King um, as he explores like what's going on in his young teenage life. And so in in Concrete Rose, Angie Thomas kind of drops us a little bit of an Easter egg. I won't give you any more spoilers than that, but just know that there's an Easter egg in the story and it's it's really cute. It was a really it was a great story. I believe I gave it five stars on Storygraph. I loved it. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a great prequel. I think that I liked that it that it looked at racism and and what it looks like on a on a more smaller or micro scale as opposed to the hate you give, which which focuses kind of on this this larger scale of violence towards uh, black. I think both books are very relevant. I just really thought that Concrete Rose was just more family focused and more family knit. I really loved both books, really. Angie Thomas can can do no wrong in my eyes. We recommend Concrete Rose. I think it was a great prequel. I really liked learning about Mav. Um, I liked seeing, you know, what it was like for him to step up as a young father and to really grow into that role and really to become devoted to his kids. I thought it was a really good book. My next book is Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. Uh, this was a book on the Tournament of Books 2021 challenge. This is a story that is written as a script. It's a it's a novel that was written as a script, kind of like as a as a stage script, as a, as a play. And it tells the story of a young Asian man who is known simply as his stereotype, which is background oriental man. But he longs to become kung fu guy, right? And so all of these stereotypes kind of really exist as characters themselves throughout the story until the main character learns to shed and get rid of these stereotypes that that he's been clinging to, that he's been striving towards. And so it was just, it's such a profound story that really looks at the harm that white people by creating these stereotypes have done to Asian Americans. So really, it just explores all of those different stereotypes. And, and you know, the author really doesn't shy away from any of them. He, he lists them. He talks about, you know, the stereotypes that happen to Asian Americans as they become older, what, what the stereotypes are when they're younger. It's really an amazing story that, that critiques white America's, that critiques white America's racism towards Asian Americans and, and the hole that white Americans try to shove Asian Americans into in order to be accepted into white America. Oh man, this story was amazing. You know, it was a, it was a short read. It's only about, it's like six or seven hours long on audio. Just super powerful. I highly recommend, I highly recommend it. I think you should pick it up. Good as an audiobook, but I hear it's quite excellent if you if you read it. Um, so either way, either format is, is great. So my last book called Women and Other Monsters by Jess Zimmerman. This is a nonfiction book that I picked up. This book looks at how ancient Greek and Roman myths have influenced, have been influential in how women are treated and seen throughout history, right? Um, if a woman is being particularly difficult, we might call her a harpy. Men often joke that, you know, she has a face that could turn you into stone, which is referencing Medusa. And so Jess Zimmerman really digs into these myths and how they have been interpreted by men and used by men to undercut women's authority and uh, bodily autonomy, and just how overall they've been labeled as monsters, you know, just for wanting basic respect and dignity. It was a really thought-provoking book, and I really liked, you know, kind of looking at how women have been treated, you know, all women, trans women, cis women, all women, through the lens of, of mythology, because ultimately mythology has been written by men, Women in mythology have also kind of undergone, you know, mold for, for how men feel comfortable seeing and interacting with them.
so I really thought it was a good book. Um, it's a again, it's a short book. It's only about six hours long as an as an audiobook. So it was, a, it was a relatively quick read. Thought it was an interesting critique. So that's it for me. Rashmila, what did you read regarding the theme? I actually completed uh, one trilogy that I was reading that I started this year. And I'll discuss that and then I'll talk about the other book that I read. So this particular trilogy is called the Paper Magician Trilogy. And it's by an author called Charlie N. Omberg. And she's a woman. It's just interesting that uh, in her author bio, she says that she has other sisters and they also have uh, male names and she's based in Utah. Apart from that interesting tidbit about the author, this particular trilogy focuses on uh, Sioni Twill. So she is uh, training under magician Emery Thane. And Sioni is a student at a school for the magically inclined and she's bonded to paper forever. First novel starts with Sioni arriving at magician Thane's uh, home is basically going to be training under magician Thane. Uh, both of them are obviously bonded to paper. And the way that this uh, that this particular magical world functions is that you can be a magician, you go to, your, to the school, you get trained. Uh, but before that, you're basically bonded to one kind of an element. So you can be bonded to paper, you can be bonded to plastic, you can be bonded to glass. You can also be bonded to, I think, a couple of other things. And you can obviously be bonded to blood. And that is basically the one that is the main issue in this particular trilogy. So over the course of three books, she becomes, uh, Sioni becomes an expert magician, falls in love with Thane and realizes that she has other powers also, apart from her bonding to paper. She also fights three villains and emerges completely victorious. And apart from magic, there are also the themes of love, family and quest for identity. Uh, I enjoyed Sioni's character. There is a nice, uh, nice steady growth from the first book to the last one. Uh, my only concern was uh, one of the villains uh, has uh, Indian origins, so I was a bit offended at that. But that's just me being offended uh, at random things. So, But I liked the portrayal of the Indian villain nevertheless. I mean, despite... Uh, this person who was a villain and who has Indian origins, I still liked his portrayal. So it was not racist. It was not very stereotypical. It was fine. So that was, again, something that I liked. So this was basically the trilogy that I completed. And uh, there are four books in that. So you've got The Paper Magician, The Glass Magician, and The Master Magician. So glass is another thing that you can be bonded to. The other book that I read is a book that has been all over the social media, the bookish community, subscription books. And that book, Drumroll, is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. So I've read only one book before by Schwab, and I like her writing. So do you have any comments about about me reading the book, Rachel? Uh, no, um, I haven't read it yet. It's on my TBR, um, so I'm I'm gonna read it at some point. Okay. I just haven't read it yet. Oh, I am immensely jealous. <laughs> I I've been wanting to read it for a while, so it's on my it's on my TBR. Okay, so the book is basically about the protagonist, Addie LaRue. Uh, she makes a Faustian bargain uh, to live forever in France in 1714. So um, this particular novel switches between two timelines. You've got the present timeline set in 2014, and you've got the past in 1714, and then 300 years after that. The main 
downside of the bargain that she makes that she will live forever the downside is that Addie LaRue will be forgotten by everyone that she meets so it starts when she makes the bargain and goes to meet her goes to her family her family says that they've never had a daughter after that with whoever she interacts with they are all right they know her they are talking to her but once they pass through a door and come back to her they have forgotten her so that is how the story goes is that how they will be forgetting her twist in the story is 300 years later in 2014 she meets a man in a bookstore when this man goes away and comes back he still remembers her so from there is basically the story begins this particular novel had a very very slow start like um there were times when i was like i do wanted to give it up just because it was such a so- slow start but i'm glad i stuck with it so i am not someone who likes historical fiction very much i have very few list of books that i like which is which falls in the genre of historical fiction so for me i enjoyed the contemporary parts more than the historical sections but at the same point of time this book would be a four stars for me and i know this is a very unpopular opinion because i enjoyed the character of adi larue but i found her a bit shallow so despite having this gift of immortality she is more concerned with survival she is a very resourceful person but at the same point of time she doesn't do anything grand uh which is fine i don't know i, I think i was expecting more for from someone who has the gift of immortality she does figure into certain things in the book by leaving a mark and i won't say how she does that but at the same point of time i was like why isn't she doing anything else so this so again for me this was a four stars about a lot of people have said it's an amazing book the best book that they've read so i am definitely curious to know what you will think about it once you read it rachel so those were the two books well three books if you count the trilogy and uh, adi larue for the fantasy theme So um okay one more thing about Adi Larue that I wanted to mention I really liked the ending of the novel I also liked the character with whom Adi makes the bargain the Faustian character who with whom she makes the bargain I enjoyed that particular villain so I usually I'm usually not someone who likes villains but I enjoyed this particular villain a lot and uh, I also liked the reveal on why this person remembers adi whom she meets in the bookstore so those were great things but i think this book would have been much better if it was if it had a shorter quicker start and if it was edited so i hope i won't be getting any kind of hate mail or anything on our social media that's my two cents or 10 cents on the invisible life of adi larue rachel what did you read for our theme So my first book is called Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. This story is uh is a fantasy novel written by um an indigenous author. So if you're following along with our diverse read prompts, I believe we have I believe we have a prompt for indigenous authors. And so this story tells the story of the main character Serapio, who is the crow god reborn. Serapio is this young man, he's a, he's a young teenager when he becomes the crow god. His mother is from this tribe. She's of the Oborigi peoples, the crow people, and she the the start of the book shows that uh she has transitioned her son through the act of ritual into the crow god. Um and she does this by tattooing his body, um by uh sewing his eyes shut so he becomes blind and by uh making him 
kind of making him go through these very like drastic life changes, right? She's physically changing his body. And so once this is all completed, once his eyelids have been sewn shut, she disappears. And so he is left to just deal with his destiny as the crow god. Kind of in the middle, um, we have a character called Zyla. Um, she is a captain, a sailor. Uh, she is Teak, which is this area within the Crescent Sea where the story takes place. And so she becomes kind of the character that moves, that interacts with the sun, the, the crow god, and helping him get to his end goal of ending what are known as the sun priests or the watchers. They live in the city of Tova. They have become corrupt. They are no longer of the people. They are, they have just become these priests who kind of live amongst themselves, who serve the sky gods. They don't, they don't really live to serve the people. And so Serapio or the crow god has, takes issue with this and has a problem with that. And, you know, knows that his destiny is to kill the sun priest, uh, Narapa. But within the priesthood, there is a lot of backstabbing. There's a lot of, you know, challenging of power. This is the first book in the trilogy. And so it was really, really well done. I actually have a physical copy of it in addition to the audiobook. But I really, I really loved it. I thought the characters were really um, well done. I thought the interaction between the characters was well done. I think each individual character had their own distinct personality. And, you know, there's lots of different characters throughout this book. And so the book kind of gives you this, this listing of each of the characters as they show up throughout the story. But, but our three main characters, each of them has a past of their own that they're kind of dealing with and kind of has challenges throughout the story that they that they may that they must face in order to to move forward to the with this goal. So the story kind of wraps up with the crow god kind of facing off with the sun priest. And so we'll we'll see how the story continues to develop in the second book. But um, it was excellent as an audiobook. I really liked it. It was really interesting and you know Rebecca Rowanhorst, like I said, is um, is an indigenous author. And so it was fascinating to to see the names that she gave this imaginary town that really that I think have a place, have an understanding in indigenous culture. I could be wrong about that, but it, it was just really a beautiful fantasy story. It was really well done. Uh, within the within the physical books, there there is a map. There's kind of an overview map of the area within the Crescent Sea. So you see the city of Toba, the different areas where each of the characters are from. And then on the back end of the cover, you see a close-up of the city of Toba. And so, you, you know, you see Odo, which is where uh, Carrion Crow clan, which is where uh, the crow god, where his people are. So, you know, you see all of these different clans, right? The Water Strider clan and all of these different clans as they, as they kind of live together in this, in this holy city. And so they're each kind of racing towards the summer solstice or the convergence when there will be um, an eclipse. Such a great story. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I highly recommend it. For me, it was a, it was a 4.5. There wasn't anything that I didn't like about it. So I don't, I don't know why I didn't give it a five. I think, I think the only reason I didn't give it a five was because the audiobook comes with a PDF, but it's just a PDF of, PDF of the list of characters. It's not a PDF of the map itself. And as a map maker, I was frustrated by that. So I kind of lost some points. So that's my, that's my first fantasy. And then my second fantasy, this book was 
huge. It was 20 hours long on audio. I don't know what that converts to in page number. Um, it's called The Steel Crow Saga by Paul Kruger. And how other people who have reviewed this book, what they say about this book is that it's kind of a, a mashup between Pokemon and uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. So you have, you have four characters, a princess, uh, a prince, uh, a warrior, and um, a thief. The, the four of them, you know, each come with their own goals and their own needs and various other things that, they, that they're dealing with. Um, and so the thief and the princess, they first match up because the princess has a goal capturing the prince and using the prince for her own political gain in order to rise in her station. She is the, the 28th princess in her own family line. And so she has this goal of, of using the prince to kind of move up in rank within her family line. And so she enlists the help of the thief, who, when we, when we are introduced, is in jail and is on death row. And so the, the thief and the princess kind of go off on their own journey. And then uh, the prince, I should say, is, what is, is allowed to do what is known as metal pacting. So this is kind of like metal bending in Avatar The Last Airbender. You know, he kind of explores metal bending and, you know, what, what he can do and what he can't do. And then the, the warrior has what's called shade pacting. Um, and this is kind of that Pokemon element where she has connected with the soul of an animal. Um, and that animal provides support to her um, in exchange to continue to live. But the warrior is actually a double packer. She has packed with the, light, with the soul of another human, which is her brother. And then she has packed it with the soul of another animal. And so all four of these main characters kind of have their own journeys that they undertake and that they go through. But there's this kind of overarching theme of colonialism because the, prince's, the prince and his people have, you know, kind of impacted the other three by, you know, colonizing their homes, hurting their people, doing a lot of harm. Um, and so the story kind of explores, you know, the adventure of getting the prince back home so that he can take his rightful uh, place as emperor you know, the friendships and the relationships that are built kind of along the way and how, you know, how he learned throughout the story by interacting with this warrior of the harm that he and his people caused. And so, you know, a lot of that influences what will happen once he becomes emperor. I thought it was a really good book. I thought it was a little long. I think I gave it, I think I gave it a solid four stars. I loved the characters. I loved the character development. I loved the diversity of the characters. But what I didn't like is that I thought at certain part, parts of the story, I was like, okay, this is the end. They can wrap it up. Um, but it kept going. And so, you know, I'm sure the author intended it for that to, to be that way. And, and in the end, it all made sense. But I just thought it went on too long. It just felt too long, in my opinion. So uh, those are the two books that I read. Rashmila, you want to talk about uh, our book swap for this month? So before we go on to the book swap, I just wanted to say that we do have a bonus prompt in our uh, reading challenge, which is book by an indigenous author. So that can fall under there if you, if the listeners want the Black Sun. And Black Sun A has been on my TBR. I would want to read it at some point. Um, I've heard great things about it from a lot of people. And The Steel Crow also sounds amazing. The Steel Crow Saga. Going, moving on to the book swap. Uh, Rachel recommended the book uh, Black Leopard Red Wolf by Marlon James. 
and uh, this is the first in dark star trilogy and it is huge at 620 pages think what what you were saying about steel crow saga uh, that it's a long book uh, sometimes i think fantasy books are pretty long because it takes a lot of time to build the particular worlds build the characters come up with names and i think descriptions uh, maybe that is one of the reasons why often fantasy books uh, can be longer than a regular novel so uh this book follows uh tracker who is the red wolf and a and a mercenary and tracker is tasked to find a boy who went missing three years ago so he's he goes on this quest meets a whole lot of characters and the non-linear narrative also has flashbacks of tracker's own life so the story has elements of african uh, history and myths i could understand some of them not all of them i'm not an expert on that but uh, i just wanted to give a content warning for rape and mutilation in this particular novel so i struggled with it as it is very long as it is dense and the no- and and the narration is non-linear i'm i'm usually fine with non-linear narrations but this one had a lot of digressions and interruptions so more it was more in the vein of oral storytelling where you're telling a story and your audience will be interrupting with their own questions and ideas so i was relieved at the end but i will probably not reread it so uh that is my book swap uh report uh rachel what did you read for the book swap and how did you like it i read the city we became by nk jemison this was my first N.K. Jemisin book. Um, she's written a lot of great fantasy. If you have never read her, I would strongly recommend picking up any of her books. I have some of her books on audio, but I, I physically picked this one up because it's, it's a signed copy. I got it when it first came out. Oh my God, the whole book is amazing. Let me, okay, let me start with the outside of the book because there's a really cool element to the actual physical book. Um, And that is if you have an Android phone and you um, use Google Lens and you hover over the cover, something happens. Um, I won't tell you what happens, uh, but it's very cool. You should definitely check that out. And then if you flip the back cover over, still using your Google Lens, then a pop-up shows up with the, uh, the author. So there's an interview there. So that's really cool. Um, I really liked that in how the story became interactive because of this capability with technology. It was very, very cool. So the city we became uh, focuses on the city of New York and how the five boroughs become these human avatars. So each of the human avatars, Manhattan, Manny, uh, Brooklyn, whose name is just happens to be Brooklyn, uh, the Bronx, who is Bronca Sunoy. And then Padimi, she is the avatar of Queens. And then lastly, we have um, Aislin, and she is the avatar of uh, Staten Island. You know, all of these different characters kind of undergo, you know, various challenges as they become each of these avatars. And, you know, and, and then they slowly start to come together as, as one city in order to find the main avatar New York City, um, who is a young man, you know, who is homeless at the time of this story. So the story really focuses in on racism, gentrification. You know, in in the story, there are two worlds. There is the physical world that we are all in, and then there's this other world that exists that only the avatars and 
the white woman who is the threat that is happening to New York City as it's getting its foothold into the city through the use of buying up buildings and gentrification. Each of the individual boroughs must work with the other boroughs to make sure that, that this white woman doesn't completely take over the city. The story is amazing. I just thought it was so profound, you know, the way in which N.K. Jemison really uses racial stereotypes to get at the heart of the story and the heart of what's happening, not only in New York, but in communities all throughout the United States. You know, white people buying up buildings, buying up property, you know, developers buying property and then, you know, changing, you know, low income housing to shops and boutiques driving out um, people who live in these communities, who have in oftentimes lived in these communities for generations. What I loved about Staten Island is she is the embodiment of white complacency. During one of the many scenes throughout the book, in one instance, she closes her eyes, right, as a way to like, not have to face and deal with the issues that are right in front of her, right, the racial issues that are right in front of her that are happening at this, at this exact moment. And so I just really thought that, you know, N.K. Jemison really was brilliantly um, attuned to the races within this book and, and how she wanted to portray each of them. I just, I thought it was just so profound. Staten Island in the first book really holds on to that white complacency and that white denial and essentially, for lack of a better term, puts her head in the sand. And so eventually a temporary avatar is added which is um, Jersey City, because, you know, people who live in Jersey City often just tell people that they live in New York. And so New York kind of allows for Jersey City to get access to be one of the avatars until Staten Island can, you know, come to the table and really be a partner. And so there are other cities that we get some exposure to. We get some exposure to Stop Hollow, and we get some... Um, exposure to hunk. The whole book was really excellent. I cannot wait to read the rest of the series. I'm very excited to see what is what is in store for these other characters. This was a fast read for me. I mean, it was just such a turn. It was such a page turner. I just turned page after page after page because I constantly wanted to know what was going on. The avatars really embody the characteristics and the personalities of each of their boroughs. And it was it was just such a well done book. I mean, you know, N.K. Jameson in her interview talks about it being a love letter to the city. And, you know, being from the East Coast, having been in New York, living in New Jersey, growing up in New Jersey, really resonated with this book. I just like it feels like a love letter to me almost. I just I loved it so much. It's excellent. Oh, man, it's just it's so good. I'm really thankful you suggested this as my swap because it was such a such a great book. Yay. So I'm glad that you liked uh, this one. Uh, I think you will also like sections of Addy LaRue because the contemporary section is set in Brooklyn and New York. So I think you will like that part, parts of that novel also, if not the whole one. So we'll move on to our next section, which is the book community section. And uh, if you are following us on social media, you will see that we have put up a Google form for uh, authors if they're interested to promote their books or any member of the bookish community who would like to talk about uh, maybe a new independent bookstore that has opened and 
an app to record your books or even anything else that you would like to talk about. So feel free to add in that um, whenever we do get uh, someone to interview, we will put that interview from uh, in this section of the bookish community. In today's episode, we will not do the interviews as yet. What did you like that you would like to discuss in the bookish community? So this past weekend, I attended um, an event called the Anti-Racism Book Festival. Um, it's run um, it's run by the Anti-Racism Institute at Boston University, and it was founded by Ibram X. Kendi. You know, we've talked about him on the podcast before, you know, as, as, as being an author of some of, you know, some great anti-racism books and some great anti-racism thoughts. And I attended this event. There were some technical difficulties in the morning, so unfortunately I didn't get to attend the morning session. But there were two sessions in the afternoon that were really profound. Uh, so the first one was by the author of a book called The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr. And hearing him speak, he was supposed to share a panel with Tommy Orange, who unfortunately didn't show up. But, you know, he talked about his book and he talked about, you know, the many elements of, of anti-racism that he has incorporated into his story, including, you know, ancestor ancestor work in terms of a spirituality practice, uh, queer love in um, in biblical times. So he really discussed, you know, various anti-racism topics and elements and really gave the audience and myself, you know, a lot to think about. His topic was on refuge. And so he talked about, you know, refuge in the United States and, you know, being not necessarily a colonizer, but being somebody who lives on stolen land and what what that does to him as a, as a black person, what that means for other black people and other people of color. Just just having the opportunity to hear him speak was really amazing. This event is usually hosted in Washington, D.C. Um, and so because of COVID, they decided to, to go virtual this year, which I was you know immensely grateful for because it was it was really a cool one day event, you know, talk to authors and hear, hear them discuss their ideas and their conversations and hear them talk about, you know, their next works and their next books. And so that was cool. So then the, the next panel that I heard, which was my favorite author, um, I've talked about her on the podcast before, Jacqueline Woodson. Jacqueline Woodson was joined by uh, Ming Jin Lee. She is the author of Free Food for Millionaires. And so these two authors talked about love and politics. They talked about, you know, what does love look like? What does love of my enemy look like? It was just a really, you know, just hearing the two of them go back and forth and, and talk and ask questions of each other. You know, it was just a beautiful, it was really a very beautiful panel. It was It was just a fun time. It was a great way to spend a Saturday. It was a great way to, to talk about anti-racism topics that, you know, a lot of white people aren't necessarily exposed to. It was great. It was very cool. I had meant to see Celeste Ng. She was one of the earlier presenters that due to technical difficulties, I didn't get to see. But, but if you're interested in, in hearing some of the snippets from the Anti-Racism Book Fest, you can read um, a lot of tweets at hashtag Anti-Racism Book Fest. A lot of people were trying to capture what was being said in a lot of the in, in a lot of the panels. And I think a lot of people did a, a good job of that. So that was an awesome one day event. It was really, you know, mind opening in terms of learning about elements of anti-racism that I hadn't considered or that I didn't know about. And so I, you know, I found out about some new authors that I might want to pick up in the future. Overall, it was a, it was a fun day. It was, it was a good one. It was a good festival to attend. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that, uh, Rachel. Rachel and I were dis discussing uh, something that we talk about often is that just reading a book by 
a diverse author or an author or by an LGBTQIA author or any book that is connected to social justice will not automatically make you anti-racist. We actually do need to do the hard work that is also required. And I really liked what you talked earlier on, Rachel, about not only about the panels that you attended, but also the fact about Staten Island being uh, the epitome of white complacency, where she actually does literally close her eyes to everything that's happening around her. Oftentimes, we do there are, I think, very small things that we can we can obviously read a lot, and this is, and that is the main aim of this podcast is discussing books that Rachel and I read. Rachel and I are passionate about, and we go completely berserk about books and reading. At the same point of time, just because of the events that have been happening so frequently for the past few months now, we've also started thinking about the social justice aspect, and one way that Rachel just suggested is that she attended a festival on anti-racism I mean how cool is that I am someone who who likes these things also but I would just like to say something on a social justice thing that I do I do write for a feminist book club and I subscribe to their uh, subscription box we did talk about subscription boxes in one of our previous episodes but the reason why I like feminist book club is they focus on businesses like on products sourced from businesses owned by women and queer people at the same point of time they also give 5% of their sales to a particular nonprofit for the month that they choose choosing the book for every month is a very democratic process they are also actively dismantled capitalism by having like if you are working for feminist book club they have like contracts where you have to take certain number of days off it is mandated like you have to take leave days that's just how it is uh, they also do certain things like the blog posts are there only from Monday to Friday. On Saturday and Sunday, there are no blog posts. So small things. And they also are very much anti-Amazon. They support independent bookstores, which I think we all should do. So again, book. I think book events are great. Uh, especially if it's focused towards social justice. So so that is something that I also like to attend sometimes, the, the virtual events that happen through BuzzFeed News. So I think that's about it for this month. For this month's podcast, we just uh, wanted to say a couple of things. So, so uh, we celebrated Pride and uh, Juneteenth last year in our second episode for the month of June 2020. We are in fact celebrating our one-year anniversary of our podcast. We started in May of last year for june of this year we are focusing on immigrant heritage month which was established in june 2014 that is our theme for next year so that brings us to the end of this month's uh, podcast episode you can contact us or follow us for book recommendations on instagram and facebook at reading squad podcast you can find the Reading Squad podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google. We would also love to hear from you on what you want to hear on this podcast, some of the themes that you would like, or what issues in the bookish community do you think need more discussion. Feel free to leave reviews on our Facebook page or the other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. Take care.
Happy reading, y'all.